everybody, and welcome to another episode of My Angular Story. This week on our, uh, I was going to say on our panel, but we're just doing an interview. We're doing it with Juan Herrera. Very good. That's correct. Hey, everybody. Nice to see you. So uh, do you want to just give everybody a brief introduction, where you're from, why you're famous, all that good stuff? <laughs> sure. Well, uh, I'm certainly not famous, but I am from Colombia, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you ever come down to visit Medellin, feel free to hit me up. My name is Juan Herrera. I am a Google developer expert in Angular, and I'm the head of front-end development of a company called UXI Global. It's an American company, but I do pretty much develop software like any other software company. And yeah, that's about it. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So, if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. Nice. We actually had you on episode two, 220. That's um, correct. And we were talking about uh, creating a community. We talked about creating the community that you've uh, been a part of down in Colombia. Yes. So uh, th that was exciting and fun to talk about. And you've got, you know, all of this experience as a developer, as a Google development expert, um, and as a community leader. And so it's been fun to just kind of look at and see, okay, you know, how does all of this come together? What are you doing? What are you working on? And yeah, anyway, I thought, well, we should just get uh, Juan on and find out what his story is, you know, where you came from, what it all, you know, how you got to where you are. So yeah, let's dig in. Sure, Charles. Well, the truth is that I, it was the community that got me into Angular the way I do it today. Uh, it wasn't my initial intention to just become a Google developer expert or anything else. I was just a regular developer uh, who graduated from college uh, about three years ago, a little bit more. And Can I stop I, you for a minute? I, I want to sure. back up just a little bit further than that and start yeah. with how you got into programming. Oh, so that's a better question. I got into programming when I was 14, and then I met a person who I happened to ask, what was the difference between a megabyte and a kilobyte? I, I just didn't seem to understand the difference. It's like, <laughs> nice. why do USB have this megabyte thing? I don't, what's the difference? I don't understand. Um, and then this person very kindly explains the difference to me. And I'm like, okay, so so what's a gigabyte? And then we took it from there and it started understanding how computers work. Then he went to mainframes and laptops and what is the RAM memory and the ROM memory and all these things right. and I was super interested. So th that was the first sign I, I happened to be into this software industry. And then he decides to teach me how to code. He said, 
Juan. I believe you might be a good developer, so I want to teach you how to write code using C++. And that's how I got started. Nice. So I'm a little curious as we get into this. Some people get in through, say, boot camps or things like that. You know, other people, it's you, they find somebody that's willing to help them learn. I'm, I'm curious, you know, having come up and kind of had a, having a mentor as you got into it, um, you know, and then you did mention earlier that you have a, a degree in computer science. Yeah. Um, did you find that having a mentor was more valuable than maybe going through a regimented program like a degree? Or did it all kind of play together in a particular way that, that helped you get where you are? Charles, that's a good question. Um, to be honest, having a mentor at a very early age really helped me uh, because I was 14 years old and I already knew how to do some programming. And when I turned 16 and I joined the college, I, I, I already knew like most of the things they were teaching me on basic programming, like for loops or whiles right. or any kind of the structures. So I end up being some kind of a mentor to my colleague students, right? Like teaching them uh -huh. the things they wouldn't be able to pick up from the actual teacher. So, so yes, having a mentor had a tremendous impact in my professional career. And if, if, if you, that you're listening to this, if you have the chance of getting a mentor, I certainly recommend it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Um, now, you kind of stumbled onto your mentor. Do you have any advice for people who are looking for a mentor? Well, um, the industry is full with people that is very likely to help you. There's uh -huh. a lot of people out there that it's down to give you a few hours of their time to mentor you in whatever you're searching or looking for. Some right. people, they just don't know if software, the software industry is for them. So that's a very valid question. Others do not know if they should focus on the front end side or the back end or which right. languages to pick. So my, my advice, it would be to uh, search on Twitter. There's a lot of people, if you follow someone on Twitter, you consider an expert or someone of interest, ping them, direct message uh -huh. them and ask them if they can spare some hours uh, to help you understand your way. If you cannot find anyone, feel free to reach out to me. I'll be super happy to, whether it's helping you with some advice or pointing you to the right person. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Just reach out and ask for help. One trick that I found is that um, if I offer to buy them lunch or offer, you know, if, if it's a remote kind of thing, um, you know, just uh, send them a Starbucks card or something, right? And just be like, hey, here's a $5 Starbucks card. And essentially, we're going to sit down for a virtual coffee and talk about code, right? And, and that puts you in a position where instead of being just, you know, because just asking a lot of times will work. But a lot of times, people are more likely to reciprocate if you give them something. Does that make sense? Lovely, lovely. I, I completely agree. I mean, um, I, I, when, when someone asks me for advice, I will completely do it. But if someone comes up to me with a Starbucks card, I'll be super glad to do it much more, right? So yeah. maybe another alternative, this is something I've done before. Uh, when I'm searching for technical advice or something, and I know this person is pretty busy and has a tight agenda, then I say, help me out with this and I will write an article afterwards uh -huh. and I will quote everything you tell me. So next time someone asks for the same advice to you, then you can just reference the article you helped me write. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, it's stuff like that. I mean, people, people want to give back. They want to give back to the people who help them out. They want to give back to the community. And so, yeah, the advice there is solid because yeah, then it's out there for everybody. Um, I've seen another version of this where people will only ask or will only like, they get a question is like, Hey, how do I blah, blah, blah. And they're like, I only answer these kinds of questions on stack overflow. Right. Because then it's out there for people to get the answer to. So. Yeah. Makes sense. Yep. So you get into programming, you learn C plus plus, um, and you're like, all right, you know, I got this, I'm going to go get a degree. What, what made you decide to get a degree instead of, you know, going through some of the other options out there, you know, maybe just getting a job and learning on the job or going through boot camp or something like that. That's a great question. Uh, well, here it, it's more of a cultural thing. So people, it's not very common, at least, uh, I don't know, eight years ago or 10 years ago when I, went, when I was making the call to say like, oh, I just get a, a job doing programming because I know how to code and there's a lot of job offers out there. Right. So no, it, was, it's, it wasn't that common. It was, it's common for your parents to tell you to get a degree because that's something you will need in the future. So it was more, it was more like following the, the same path as everyone. The thing is that, as, as soon as I had my first class, I remember, I, I said to myself, you know, I could learn all these things on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, oh man, I'm doing a mistake maybe. But then I realized that, uh, well, uh, being in a college environment is also very helpful. Nonetheless, mm -hmm. there's people that cannot afford it. And in such right. cases, I will certainly recommend going through other alternatives such as online courses, which are, mm -hmm. are very effective as well. Yeah, I hear that. I, I have a degree in computer engineering, um, but I didn't know what I wanted to do when I started either. So there, there was a little bit of that. And I have a brother and a cousin that are both getting computer science degrees. And so, I, I mean, I definitely see both paths as viable and it really just depends on where you're at. And so, yeah, you know, you were in an environment that really worked for you and helped you grow in probably some other ways. And, and so that worked out well for you. And, and it's interesting to see how many people come through the getting a degree versus coming through and, you know, learning some other way and, and just where they wind up. And a lot of that really just depends on how much they want to put into the, the, the system and the community to begin with. Totally, totally. And today, I believe there are a lot of alternatives. I mean, online courses are just one of them. I, I heard of this Holberton University, I believe that's the name, that what they do is that they uh, give you all the knowledge you need to become a software developer for free. Mm -hmm. And then after you get the job, uh, the... the, the um, the price of the of the whole bootcamp or training is uh, the, how do you say uh, discounted uh, from your salary. So right. so you end up paying for the whole course once you have a job, once you have landed a job. So it's a more it's, it's more secure uh, alternative right. for people that doesn't have a budget. Yeah, we've talked to a few people on the various shows about those kinds of bootcamps, and um, I'll have to remember to go back and put links in the show notes for some of those. But yeah. It's an interesting option because it removes the barrier up front and you only have to pay if you get a job. So Certainly. If, if I had children today uh, and they wanted to do some software degree, uh, I would certainly recommend going through one of those alternatives because yeah. in, in, in our industry, a five-year time, it's too much. If you, I mean, in five years, you don't know what's going to happen in our industry. So you better take alternatives that are fast-paced. 
yeah. I mean, there's still companies out there that are looking for computer science grads. Certainly. It's just that there are trade-offs. And a lot of times these companies are either stuck in a mindset, you know, you know from 10 years ago, or they've deliberately looked at those trade-offs and then made a decision one way or the other as to whether or not to require that. Yeah, totally. So you went and got a computer science degree. Um, I'm assuming they weren't teaching you JavaScript in college. <laughs> Unfortunately, no. Uh, they were teaching me Java in college. Uh -huh. And I learned Java. Um, that was very interesting because I was using NetBeans back then. And <laughs> And I didn't understand the difference between NetBeans and Java. To me, it was the same thing. It's like, it's like, what? What's the difference? What's an IDE? What's all this? Right. I had a lot of confusion at the beginning, and the fact that you couldn't be able to deliver like web products, like apps, it was a little bit frustrating to me because all you, all I was able to do, or, or all I knew how to do, was to build this native application. I don't know if you're familiar with the UI of the, of the operative system, the whole thing. And then later on, I, I got into, I happened to learn how to do web apps with Java as well, uh, using these, um, what's the name? Well, it has some kind of suite where you can do web apps. And right. later on, when I was finishing the, 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 the whole college, I, they taught me JavaScript. It was very mm -hmm. late, but I, I liked it. And that's how we ended up programming in the front end side. Right. So, I mean, what was it about the front end or JavaScript versus Java or some of the other, you know, C++, some of the other things that you had done? Um, what, what was it that drew you into JavaScript that made you get excited about it? That, that's a great question. Uh, to be honest, it was the demand. So when I graduated from the college, I remember I said to myself, like, okay, I certainly need to get on top of my skills, my programming skills, because I need to get a job. Right. And, and then I was searching on the internet. I was particularly interested in a remote job because I, mm -hmm. I felt like that was paid better. And all I could find was staff related to web development that I didn't know about. So it was like, oh, you, you are a Webpack expert. I'm like, what's uh -huh. Webpack to start with? You know JavaScript patterns. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what is this? Right. So I was very frustrated at the beginning. And then what I, what, what I ended up doing was searching in YouTube how to create a website. Like, for instance, <laughs> nice. like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript all over again. Uh -huh understand the fundamentals and 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 yeah and that's how we end up getting into this front end side nice so then angular you were talking about the community and i interrupted you so um how did you get inter introduced to angular so it's so great that's how it connects both stories so i graduated from college and then i got a few jobs uh, like freelancing doing uh -huh. websites i got into it and then I received an offer for a company in Medellin. Actually, I wasn't born in Medellin. I was born in another city to the south. Uh, uh -huh. But then this company is called Uxi Global, and they say, like, they needed software engineer that knows PHP and English. So I said to myself, okay, I know English. <laughs> I don't know PHP, <laughs> but I can learn it. <laughs> right. So, so I applied, I knew that not a lot of people knew English. Uh, so I had an, a privilege and advantage. And so I applied, they, they got me. 
and and it started working for this company but then this company said to myself like told me that the language i was going to work with it was going to be javascript with backbone so i said to myself all Ooh, right backbone yes backbone. <laughs> um it was for an american a boston client boston-based client uh -huh. and i started learning backbone and javascript and the whole thing and one day something happened in the company uh, the company realized that a lot of their clients were asking for a framework, um, for a framework specific solution, and the company was deciding whether going for React or Angular. Right. So, so, so they clearly asked some of the developers their opinion, and they clearly said, "I think we should go for React. That's super popular. That's what we should be doing." <laughs> and they, they didn't agree with me. Um, they liked Angular better. And then they said, we're actually picking Angular from now on. So the company transformed itself into an Angular boutique. But what, what they needed the most was someone that were able to train them, to train uh -huh. all the developers in the company. And since Angular 2 was just released, because that was about two years ago, um, they, they couldn't find a trainer or someone that could trained the, the, the developers right. in the company. So my friend and I, we suggested an idea. We told the company that we might be able to learn Angular 2 for tutorials online, and then we uh -huh. might be able to teach developers inside the company. And, <laughs> nice. and they said, all right, well, let's give it a try, see how it goes. And we did it. We did a boot camp for 32 hours, teaching all the concepts of Angular, and, and they bought it, they loved it. And up to today, we have already trained the whole company in Angular with the same bootcamp. Yes. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's funny. And, and that, you know, I kind of called out, uh, uh, what was it? The, the framework that you were using before, Backbone. Backbone, yeah. But Backbone was so nice. I mean, back <laughs> in the day, right, when it was out, it was like, <laughs> oh, my jQuery mess. I know how to, you know, wrangle my jQuery mess. And Yeah, and then you start to figure out, oh, there, there are some power tools out there, right? And that, it sounds like that's kind of the process you went through where it was like, okay, well, um, it's one thing to arrange jQuery mess into less mess. It's another thing to look at one of these other frameworks like Angular or React and go, all right, this actually, you know, there, there's kind of a, a method to this that makes a lot of the problems that I still have with jQuery go away. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so you make that transition and yeah, off you go teaching a boot camp and things like that. Um, so, yeah, so I, I want to talk briefly then about your experience um, with the community. So was there already a community in Colombia or did you build it on your own? And I know we talked about this some um, in the yeah. episode we did. So Charles, um, during this process, I, I found myself trying to understand Angular better and since there were not so many Angular developers out there, I, I needed to find them, right? I, it, it was hard for me to figure out some things I, I couldn't understand. So I said, maybe if I find someone that knows a lot about Angular, I can ask him all, all, of, all my questions. Right. Um, and, and that was the idea and the reason why I decided to found a new a new community because all right. I was looking for was Angular developers that can teach me things that I didn't know about. So mm -hmm. uh, how did it go? It was it was quite a straightforward. 
my company, after realizing that I was proficient in Angular, but, but I needed more training, they decided to send me to ng-conf on 2016 or 17, 2017, mm -hmm. I believe. And uh, what happened after is that I, I met a lot of community members. I, I guess we talked about Bonnie. Bonnie taught me, told me that I should run a community, an, an Angular community in Medellin. And that's how it all got together you know so i go back to medellin <laughs> and said Bonnie. okay this is great let's create a meetup and then it all boom like the community flourished and, and yeah that, that's that's how it started the rest is history nice so uh let, let's talk a little bit about organizing a community really quickly um mm -hmm. I, i'm curious as as it's grown i mean was it basically just it, it seems like most of the groups have a problem getting the word out and getting people to show up. So how, how did you get it over the hump there? Um, so you mean like getting people to show up to the meetup? Yeah. So like I, I have several friends that have tried to start meetups mm -hmm. and if there's already a wide interest in the area they're in, it seems like they just have to, you know, talk to their friends and the word gets out. But True. if there's not, then starting a community is really tough. And so I'm wondering, you know, what was your experience there? What, was there already a lot of interest and you kind of built it up? Or, you know, did you struggle for a while to get people to come? Good one. Um, I was lucky because the community ecosystem in Medellin is very, very strong. It's probably the strongest city in terms of communities of the whole country. And, mm -hmm. and probably one of the main cities in the whole Latin America that has such a strong communities. So yes, I was lucky um, the the communities out there were already uh, set up, were already positioned. So once I decided to create Angular Medellin, there were already an audience waiting okay. for that to happen. And the word spread out. Of course, I did some Twitter posting mm -hmm. on Facebook, friends, and I told them, please let people know about this new community. And for the first meetup, I was being, how to say it, trying to be positive, I expected 25 right. people. I said like, okay, I'm pretty sure at least 20 people will come up. Well, 80 people showed up and that was impressive. And, and mm -hmm. everyone was impressed because that, that was a lot, even, even for an old meetup. Right. So I realized that for some reason, this region is also very Angular um, fan. And, mm -hmm. and all these fans started showing up and it was very easy to me to, to build this momentum and get them to uh, keep showing up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Nice. Now, you also mentioned that you're a GDE. Um, and I'm curious, what was the process for you to become a GDE, a Google Developer Expert? So uh, what happened is that after this community was built and, and a lot of people started showing up, some, how do you call it, international speakers uh, told me that this community was very, very strong and, then I and that I should do something about it, something like a conference. So uh -huh. I agreed and I never done a conference before. I mean, I, I graduated from college two or three years ago. I didn't know what that was about. Um, but I had an idea because I attended NGConf. So I said to the company, I told them, Let's run the first Angular conference of Colombia and Latin America. 
So that sounded pretty cool. They, they were very excited, but of course it was going to be expensive and we, need to we needed to figure out a lot of details. We didn't know how to run events and then we did it. So we created the NG Columbia, the first edition. And once one of the speakers I invited was a GDE. He, his name is Josue. He's from Mexico. Uh -huh. And... I knew it about the program before. I mean, I knew what a GDE was and I wanted to be a GDE, um, but I wanted, I didn't want it to be so clingy about it. So I didn't mention <laughs> anything, but then the last day Jose told me of the conference, he said like, you know what? Uh, I need to tell you something. I'm going to write you an email next week. And I was like, oh, great. I have no idea what you're going to tell me about, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I was already excited. And then he sent an email telling me that he was nominating me for the efforts I was doing in the community. And that's nice. how I got to become a GDE. Very cool. So what do you do as a GDE? So GDEs to me are people that do a lot of community efforts. And uh -huh. it's as simple as that. They do a lot of community efforts. Yes, they are experts. They know a lot about their the thing. They're not the most proficient people. I mean, you can certainly ask me Angular questions. I might not be able to answer all of them. And yes, I have experience with Angular and I've done a lot of uh, applications in the past. But most, more than that, it's the community things you do. Right. The articles, the tutorials, videos, podcasts, conference, meetups. That's what has more value to the program. And, and and yes, I believe if you ever want to be a GDE or the audience wants to be a GDE, well, the first thing is to engage with the community. You don't need to be a superstar or the best public speaker ever. Right. That's not necessary. You can just start writing articles and that'll be perfect. Um, and if you ever want to, I, I think Charles can help me out later. We, I have a, an article that explains the process of how to become a GDE so I can share it with you later. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just drop it in the chat and we'll make sure it makes it into the show notes. Yeah, I'll do that in a second. Sure. Very cool. So what are you working on now? So um, today, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm the head of front development of the company. That which What that means is that I do two things. First, I am some kind of architect, Angular mm -hmm. or front-end side architect, which uh, allows me to help a lot of teams in the company build the right solutions. So I make sure they're using the best patterns out there, implementing Angular the correct way, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I'm always trying to help them. And on the other side, I'm an advocate. So my job in the company is to get the word out about Angular mm -hmm. and go to conferences, to speak at different meetups, organize meetups all over and that kind of thing. And the company is very excited about, about that because it gets them leads and clients and right. prospects. So it makes sense to them. And yeah, that's pretty much what I do today. I mean, my, my whole plan for 2019 is, is helping a lot of people get uh, their best skills with Angular and on the other hand, attending as much conference as I can. And I will, this year at least, I will be attending NGConf again. And I'll believe I will be speaking in NGROM, which is, I believe, it's going to be the first Italy big conference in Angular. Nice. NGROM. I should do that. Yeah, it would be nice. Do you, do you have a date on that yet? I believe it's October 7th. Yeah, I've, I've been looking for a while for an excuse to go back to Italy. I lived there for two years and just absolutely loved it. So No way, really? Which city was it? 
Um, I lived in a few cities. I lived in Arezzo, which is in Tuscany near Florence. Mm-hmm. And then I moved to Ancona, which is over on the, um, on the coast of the Adriatic Sea. And then I moved up to Verona. And then, oh, really? and then I made it out to Portanone, which is uh, about an hour, hour and a half north by train from Venice. And how is your Italian? Uh, parlo l'italiano abbastanza bene. Parli italiano? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure it's similar to Spanish, but I wouldn't be able to understand anything. Yeah, I found that people, and, and this is totally a side note, but I'm leaving it in, folks. Um, <laughs> I found that, uh, so I was there as a missionary for the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So oh, really? my job was essentially to go talk to people all day. So, so I, I speak fairly fluently. Um, my vocabulary around computers is abysmal. My vocabulary uh-huh. around religion is very good. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, it was just, it was an amazing experience. And um, yeah, I would love to just go back and yeah, visit a few of the places that I, I went to and things like that. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out. Maybe submit a talk or two and then just look at my wife and say, but I got accepted. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> certainly, certainly. Good. But that's exciting. So if people want to know more about the conferences, because you have the one in Colombia, right? Yeah. And you have the other one in, um, in Rome. How, how do they find those? All right. So uh, there, there's a great website. I'm going to give you the link in a moment. Uh, I guess it was Thought Motto or someone in their team mm-hmm. that put up this website with all the meetups and conference that are happening in Angular. There's oh, also nice. GitHub repositories. So you will be able to find all the conference out there and you will be able to pick the ones you want to apply to, et cetera, et cetera. When it comes to NG Columbia, it's super simple. You can go to ngcolumbia.com and you will be able to find information about the conference. As to NG RAM, I believe it's coming up. So I, have, I believe you have to be a little bit patient before you get information. Okay, yeah. sounds good. Well, that's exciting. Um, let's go ahead and do some picks. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Yes, yes. Um, there is something I've, I've been excited to share with the audience and with people in general. Last Saturday, we conducted the first workshop of a new initiative called She Codes Angular. She uh-huh. Codes Angular, it's, if you ever heard of NGGirls, I believe it's right. pretty similar. It's just another initiative that it's seeking to provide the same opportunities to everyone out there, especially women. And we created this workshop, which is like four hours, and which we give them a super well-designed workshop aimed at people that is just starting in programming or haven't done Angular before. And we had around... 110 women all gather in the same place learning Angular, super excited. And we were very happy to see such an audience. It's the same thing we spoke a few moments ago. It's like, for some reason, this city, Medellin, attracts a lot of people into Mm -hmm. the software industry. So we run this workshop. It was a whole success. And we're certainly doing it again uh, throughout the year. Nonetheless, what is most important here is that anyone that's hearing this can reach out to me and we can certainly arrange another SheCode Sangler workshop in your city so you can just help women in your region. Yeah. Awesome. I love all the initiatives around helping people get into code. And, uh, you know, some people get a little bit bent out of shape because, you know, they're focused on women or, uh, you know, black people or whatever. Right. 
And you know what? It's, it's helping people get in. And, um, you know, we can have the arguments around diversity or whatever, but ultimately there's so much opportunity out there and I love just seeing people get a chance. So yeah, um, I, I totally and fully support efforts like this. So yeah. Thank you. Sure. Um, sorry, I kind of cut you off. Did you have any other picks? Uh, let me think. Um, well, there's one more thing I'd like to share. Um, Ever since we started with our communities in Medellin, etc., a lot of people from other cities in the country reached out to me telling me that they wanted to create meetups, Angular meetups in their own cities. I mm -hmm. thought it was a great opportunity to constitute, to fund the very first Angular community network in our country. So right. we decided to create this network called Angie Colombia, which has different chapters. So it has the chapter of Medellin, then it will have the chapter of Bogota, which is the capital, and the chapter of diversity, the chapter of so, a whole lot of cities. And we will be able to provide support, guidance, and the whole thing for people coming out with new communities. So I, I, I don't I don't think I've seen this before. I think it's very exciting to me to see how communities, instead of being independent initiatives run by independent organizers trying to figure out everything, it becomes a structure that it's, uh, you know, uh, converged in, in a very clear and elegant way in which we have the sponsors, the guidelines, the knowledge on how to run communities correctly. So that's also coming up for Colombia, and I'm excited to share that with, with everyone. Awesome. Sure. And do you want to just give us the, the place where people can get that? Again? Oh, sure. Um, the, I, I wrote an article. We don't have a website yet. Okay. I wrote an article. I will also share the link with okay. you so you can read the whole story behind it. Awesome. Sounds great. All right. Um, I'm going to jump in here with a few picks. So one of the picks that I have, um, I have two picks actually. Uh, the first one is um, I've been using the system now for, I don't know, six months or so. And uh, it's, it's kind of a blend between like a wiki and a Google Docs, Sheets, Trello. It's got a bunch of nice features and it's called Notion, notion.so. Um, my main complaint with it is, is that it doesn't have an API that I can go and, and mess with yet. But um, you can set up documents in it. You can embed videos in it. You can um, set up spreadsheets in it. You can set up Trello board-like things in it. And we've been using it to run everything here at DevChat um, for a while. And lately, I've been working on actually our podcast master process. And it's nice because, you know, it's all hierarchical. So I can actually, um, you know, put in a, a new process that we follow for the shows. And it just creates a new page. And it puts it up under the other page so I can give access to all the people who need access to it. So I'm, I'm going to pick that. Um, and then um, the other thing I'm going to pick is inside there, one of the things that I do is my planning. And so I have a 12-week year planning uh, sheet that I fill in every 12 weeks. Right, every 13. Um, and so the, the idea is uh, basically just to push through, you know, the things that are going to make the biggest difference in the business. And it all comes out of a book. There's a book called The 12-Week Year. And uh, anyway, so I set that up um, and then I just go through the process of setting it out. So my goals for the current 12 weeks, which ends March 9th, which happens to be my brother's birthday, <laughs> just worked out that way. 
Um, one is to have the ma podcast master process complete. And so, you know, I've assigned some things out to my team. I'm working on some things there myself. Another one is to have the sponsorships and uh, sales master process complete as well. And then I'm working on a website relaunch for devchat.tv. And so those are my three big um, things that I'm working on right now. And Thank you. Uh, the, like the website relaunch, for example, will make a lot of things easier for show notes folks and things like that for people to get involved. You know, um, it'll also set things up so that if people find a typo in the show notes, they can actually just submit a pull request. Oh, pretty cool. And things like that, right? Because we're using, because I'm switching it over to a static site generator and using mm -hmm. Netlify. And so, you know, if I merge your pull request, it'll go to the website. Um, and so just setting hooks up like that and making it all kind of play nicely together has been really, really powerful thing. But yeah, and then just having all these processes in place so that when I hire a new person to write show notes or hire a new person to edit podcasts, they can get in, they can see the things that are highlighted for them because all of the different processes um, are highlighted in a different color depending on whose job it is, right? Because ah, I have cool. job roles associated with it. So I have podcast operations, which is something I currently do. But I have a podcast showrunner, and that's that's typically Michelle who emailed you to set up this call. Yes, uh -huh. you know, so she's setting up the guests and doing the scheduling and all that crap, um, or all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know the podcast editors and I, you know podcast show notes, and so they can see all of the things that relate to their job. And so it's been really nice to set up in Notion. Pretty um, cool. So yeah, so that's kind of what we're working at. So anyway, um, but yeah, so. That's, that's kind of what I've been working on. And one last shout out, I guess I'll throw out there is the DevRev, which is a new show that I'm doing where we're talking about careers and, and life and things like that. Um, I'm going to start. So I've been just answering questions for five days a week. And I think I'm going to take one of the days off um, because I was thinking about it and I realized, you know what? This is my 40th year of life. I'm 39 right now. Oh, really? I turned 39 in December. And so I'm going to, I'm, one episode a week is going to be the big 4.0 and I'm just going to talk about, um, you know, kind of my ideas and vision for devchat.tv, where I want it to go, all that kind of stuff. And then just life. Because a lot of times we talk about code, we talk about technology and we forget about life. And I just want to kind of make that part of the deal. So pretty important. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, so definitely check it out. Um, Juan, if people want to find you online, where do they go? Uh, they can find me on Twitter on at JD Juan, JD Juan, and on GitHub with the same uh, handle. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Thanks for coming and talking to me. Hey, thank you very much for inviting me. Super happy to be here. And yeah, have a great day. You too. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.